Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cheese and pickle. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Nicholas Craig Podcom. Um, okay, a bit of housekeeping before we begin, uh, and I don't mean the hoovering upstairs, which you may or may not be able to hear faintly in the background. They seem to pick the most inconvenient times to do it. I have sent them a little note explaining that my bedroom is now a fully-fledged pod recording factory, but nothing back from them so far. No. I mean housekeeping as in pod-keeping, if you so like. Now, I don't know if you remember, but last week's podcom left me in the unfortunate position of having 20 minutes to find £10,000 in Bitcoin, or my computer would be wrestled from me and locked in a virtual gulag by some bot, no doubt, from St. Petersburg or Preston, or some godforsaken place. Except, actually, not... It turns out that the whole thing was a prank by somebody who had signed themselves Uther Pendragon, the librarian. And it was explained to me um, by Zolt, my pest control operative, as it happens, who helped me set the whole pod thing up, that these were two roles, Pendragon and the librarian, who were played by a fellow actor in popular children's television programmes like Merlin and, and Buffy the Vampire Slay. So I am here to gracefully make the most abject of Craig apologies to said fellow actor about the mistaken voicemail message I left him after receiving said prank ransom demand, in which I called him unprofessional, a ventriloquist dummy, wooden and talentless and then went on to remark that all his performances are the same, which is quite patently untrue. I mean, to suggest that the smooth-talking ladies' man in his early coffee ads bears any resemblance whatsoever to Ed Price, the smooth-talking womaniser in, well, for example, The Stranger, is, well, it, it, it's quite simply absurd. Nevertheless, I then received a text from him explaining to me that it was in fact not he who had executed said prank, but in fact his daughters, Portia and Beatrice, and a boyfriend of theirs, and he was very sorry if I couldn't see the joke. Well, Anthony, I must admit, I'm still struggling with that bit. And I'm afraid I simply don't exist in a universe where someone who has just received a ransom demand for £10,000 in Bitcoin can be guilty of, let me get this right, overreacting to things a bit. But there we are. So, ho-hum, twiddly-dee, we survive. 
In fact, one might conclude that it is absolutely incredible that this overreacting, unreasonable, hysterical, sustenance-and-food-providing individual who makes bizarre requests for a simple few minutes of undisturbed peace so that he can record the only authentic pod for actors, by an actor, about acting. It, it, it simply beggars belief that such a person could actually work perfectly happily at the National Theatre. And the RSC for two years, and win an award. As I say, incroyable. Uh, actually, I, I, I should just say about my award that, that, that obviously, as an actor, every fibre of one's being is utterly revolted by the very notion of awards. I mean, it's not a competition, is it? So to see it engraved in bronze or, or etched in perspex, in this case, that one is a better actor than, say, Anthony Head, doesn't actually say that on the award, of course. But, but that effectively is what it means. It's just horrendously embarrassing for both Anthony and myself. And very silly, because I've seen the Head be bloody good in some things. Smashing actor and a bloody good mate. Nevertheless, there's no point in pretending that I haven't won the bloody thing, because I have. And no matter how much I try and conceal it behind invitation cards and pretend it's not real, here it is. <clears throat> and I'm not about to knock it, because it's got me a lot of work. It got me fist-fucking at the Royal Court. It got me into Mrs Frobisher's boudoir at Mould. And the whole Hollywood thing. They would never have asked me to play King of the Thargons in Thargon Quest 2 without this little baby. <laughs> so there is no way I am going to sit in front of this microphone and say that winning a Tesco Award for Best Actor in a hitherto unperformed late Jacobean tragedy did not change my life, because it did. And they gave us a smashing party afterwards. It really was quite... Literally one of the loveliest nights of my life. Unlike, as I mentioned before, this brave new world of podding, where we're not even having a party at all. It's, it, 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 there's this attitude of, ooh, don't bother about the actors, like, like this morning, OK? Rang up the producers again to speak to Araminta Badminton Horse Trials, or whatever her name is, to see if she could do anything about the non-party situation. Sorry, Mr Craig, Araminta's ill. <laughs> An actor can't be ill. When I was in Pardon My Privates at the Garrick, I had a very serious inverted hernia. I nearly died. But what did I do? Eight shows a week, in I went, out I bashed it, about I made them fall. Oh, sorry, I thought I'd put that on Do Not Disturb. Oh, gosh, it's him. Um, hello, Tony. Hi, is that Lysander's dad? Uh, yes. Yeah, hi, dude. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, he gave me your number, yeah, and um, he, he just asked me to call and say he needs some money. He's, he's too shy to ask himself. Oh, really, did he? Not known for his shyness. I, I don't know how it's going between you and him. It's not my place to say. But, you know, Lai's, like, really upset. And, and Lie? Lie? Who is this lie of whom ye speak? Yeah, 
Uh, Lysander. Hmm. What new disaster has he dreamed up? Well, I think maybe you should think about how important being a father is to you. Well, thank you very much for your support, Dr Freud. I shall always wear it. It's it's Nicholas. Nick. Nick. Nicholas? Nicholas who? N- Nicholas Craig. Oh, Nicholas Craig. Yes, right. yes, Nicholas Craig, the actor. Mate. Uh, aren't you the guy who got thrown off King of the Thargons? What? No, I, no, I was absolutely not thrown off. That's what I heard. I... Well, actually, it, it was a mutual agreement that the part had not been written in a way which... Yeah, yeah. Good to speak to you. Mutual. Really. Didn't realise you were Lysander's dad. I can see why he wants to come and stay over here now. And and, and what what is that supposed uh, to mean? Uh, OK, dude, yeah, I'm going now. Um, maybe you should talk to your son a bit more. Bye. Hmm. Anthony Head there, National Treasure a British institution and one of our finest light comedians. A master. I mean, top draw. Perhaps almost up there with Ian Lavender and Kevin Watley. Hmm. Well, onwards and podwards. What? Uh, uh, wait a minute. Where are you going? Well, well, which mates? Who? Portia and B. Who? I, I've not heard you mention them, that's all. Portia and B. Well, um, what's their last name? Portia and B. Head. Head. Oh, I see. Are they by any chance related to Anthony Head? Anthony Head, the actor. And I thought he was meant to be popular with the young. Anthony Head, national treasure. I see. Portia and Beatrice's dad, Tony. Oh, yes. He's like yes, one of our finest workhorses. Listen, do you remember that, that self-tape you helped me with last week? Ah. You remember Chamber of Doubt, an original new TV idea about a cold-cased murder investigation solved by an alcoholic detective with PTSD? Sure, whatever, yeah. Um... If you're going round to Portia and Bees, could you do me a favour? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, just a little favour, and ask if their dad happens to have been up for the same part. No. And if he has, uh, whether he's heard anything yet? No, Dad. Hmm, oh. so there we have it. Podding, very much like climbing a mountain with a shark on your back. And when you get to the top, you find you have to ski down the other side with no clothes or you'll be shot and eaten by jackals. It is that, uh, you know, tough. With a capital T. Capital T, of course, also for Thargon. And look, I suppose I'd, I'd better clear this up once and for all and put an end to all this sly backstage tittle-tattle which, as we've heard, even today can lodge itself in the brains of those of us who are less, how should I put this, less astute. OK, so here goes. They are making, as we speak, in the Arizona desert, a sequel to Thargon Quest II, King of the Thargons, called Riddle of the Gonaths. Right. 
okay? They wanted me to play the King of the Thargons again. Large, stripy horn with a third eye in the middle, big stalk coming out of my nose with an ear bobbing on the end. I mean, <laughs> come on, you know, hardly a stretch. But Miriam got to work on me. They desperately wanted me. I was the most compelling actor of my generation. The award proved that. If they'd wanted just another merely competent performance, they could have gone for Charles Dance or, or Jonathan Pricey-Wicey or at a pinch a Suchet or a Branner. But no, they wanted Craig. OK, so on goes the horn and the stalk. 3am make-up call. On my third morning's filming, I find the director, in his wisdom, has altered the script in such a way that makes nonsense of my character's motivation, and I felt unable to continue in the production. It's true that most of the scenes they cut were the ones in which the Thargon King appears, so there wouldn't have been much point in turning up on the set anyway. But I was right to make the stand I did, and I'd do it again. Though perhaps not with a fork. Sometimes you just have to draw a line in the sand and move on. Life, unlike Riddle of the Gonaths, is just too short. So you see, Craig treated once again on a fairly regular basis as a fucking punch bag. And that on top of the B&Q ad campaign going down the tubes, you can't trust anything anybody says these days. They're criminals, basically, all of them. I mean, right, without wanting to bring up the pod launch party thing again, if you are made to feel unwelcome and then told you are overreacting to things a bit, I mean, hard to sparkle. Very hard to sparkle indeed. So, so actually, no... No, actually, so far and no further. And if there are any journalists listening in, you can write this bit down because I think it's important. Excuse me. Actor here. Actor wants to say something. We are not robots. We are people. There. All over now. End of whinge. This has been Nicholas Craig's Podcom, and I hope you'll join me again for more oral stimulation next week when we'll be examining the inner actor as he explores himself and find things there that perhaps should never be exposed. Goodbye. And now for Chianti. <laughs> You have been listening to Nicholas Craig, I, an actor, a podcast by Nigel Planer and Christopher Douglas. The music was City in the Summer by Nigel Planer, arranged by Andrew Holdsworth with Tom Walsh on trumpet. Nicholas Craig was played by Nigel Planer. Lysander was played by Harvey Planer. Anthony Head was played by Anthony Head. It was produced by Joel Morris. Joel Morris.